You're listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. This is episode seven, The Culture War is a Spiritual Problem, featuring AJ. I will go ahead and say welcome everybody to Fruitless. I am joined today by AJ. Um, no last name. <laughs> yeah, I don't have one. I wasn't born with one. Born with one, yeah. Anonymous AJ. Do you want to like do like a quick uh, here's who I am kind of thing? Uh, yes. So I am not disclosing my last name or a lot of identifying information only because I have a job in media so um, right this isn't like related to my job and i just you know yeah not that we're you know talking about anything that i think could you know get me in trouble but no yeah this is a really controversial subject we're getting into here <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i just you gotta gotta stay paranoid i got you yeah so i i asked you to come on to talk about just like the culture war in general which i know is already a overdone topic as is but um you you made a you made an interesting comment like a back and forth we had on twitter where you had said like the culture war does matter but why it matters is it's it matters in like a weird way because you know the the battle that the lgbtq rights be you know like had done was you know not legal it was primarily through cultural and so now you have I, i think the quote was that uh, you don't have any legal protection, but somebody can see an Oreo ad with a gay guy on it and decide to do a hate crime. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, people's, the things that people say and the kinds of, oh, God, I hate using the word discourse. I know. Um, but, like, discourse that is around who people are and about communities and groups, it. It has material consequences for people. A perfect example today was that I took like 30 minutes out of my day to report a bunch of tweets from like trad Catholic right wingers who were literally just like doing blood libel on Twitter. I saw that. That was really bad. Yeah. Like that is a perfect example of like, sure, maybe like that kind of stuff is considered, like, a culture war issue, but, like, blood libel throughout history has had really, really serious, like, deadly results for Jewish people, and it still does to this day. Like, I'm sure that because of all the discourse going on right now about abortion, every time a Jewish group pipes up and they're like, well, we have a more nuanced view of abortion, it turns into, like, well, Jews want to kill babies with a certain segment of the population, and, like, as a result, like, you know, some, you know, poor community synagogue is going to get firebombed. Like, that's a very real material result of, like, what someone might consider to be, like, a less material culture war issue. Yeah, it's it's got kind of, like, a weird... 
I don't know, kind of a weird two-way thing because I think um, I, I think among like a lot of white dude, dirtbag leftist types, and you know, I, I would say even I fell into this camp at one point. The attitude was kind of like, well, you know, as a as a Marxist, I'm a materialist, you know, and so the stuff about <laughs> like representation or whatever, it's you know, that's it's kind of like a facade. It's a smokescreen for what actually matters. However, on like the flip side, like you do see a correlation of like hateful depictions of trans people and then like murder rates and that that's a that's a real material thing and so like it matters but where is that like middle ground line between just falling for kind of liberal talking points of like considering it a victory because there's a, a gay character in a disney you know movie um you know a nice scene that can be removed for the chinese market or you know like being like this is the most important thing ever versus like completely disregarding this entirely well you know what i think that i don't know if this is the right way to word this or if i sound like a fucking idiot but there is almost like a there's like the culture the dominant culture in like a sociological sense of how people Hmm. relate to one another and then there is pop culture and i do think that pop culture is a reflection of sociological culture but I think that the the culture in terms of like cultural norms has mm-hmm. huge material effects on, you know, LGBT people, on women, on religious minorities, on racial minorities, on, you know, you name it. Um, mm. And that like the socio-political climate, has material effects on people who, you know, um, find themselves to be society's scapegoats. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it's it's actually, like, I think ultimately what the issue is, is that, like, I think liberalism doesn't have uh, a response to, like, the actual issues uh, plaguing our society and i actually like you know if you really ask me for a hot take i think it's i think that america has a spiritual problem do you do you have a more uh more to say on that specifically i mean i think that um you know for things with like culture war issues the reason why people talk about media so much is because like pop culture has become like one of the big dominating forces in their life like instead of like Enter- entertainment has become way too important to people. They're too important. They're too um they're too obsessed with being entertained at all times. And like movies and TV shows and like shit that they read and watch on the internet and all of the consume 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 consume. Like the reason why I think it's a spiritual problem is that like not that I think that you know everyone needs to run to their like nearest house of worship, but I mean Jesus fucking Christ, you can't find, like, anything else to do but, like, talk about the latest Netflix series (laughs) and, like, you know, (laughs) it just, to me, is that it, it does feel like, you know, that response where it's like, well, like, you know, we can just, like, keep investing all of this energy, like, into pop culture. Like, why? Like, don't you have anything else going on in your life? Like, isn't Mm. there anything else you care about? Hmm. Yeah. Particularly, I see the way that, like, conservatives um, are affected by the culture war, and it 
What really, like, what makes me sad is, like, you know, my parents are very conservative, and I think that my dad gets sucked into this, like, culture war shit where he lets, like, Ben Shapiro and Fox News, like, make him insane all day. And it's interesting because, like, when I think about, like, his view of the world is that, like, I think that my my dad has always needed to, like, escape into media like you know when he talks about his childhood he talks about like watching a lot of tv and he's like really into like john wayne movies and like you know um his sense of like patriotism and like what america is and like all of these like things that he views as like good and positive come from like fucking media that uh, that's like in the 60s and 70s and like now everything has changed on him and like mm-hmm. sometimes i want to look at him and be like dad like you watch too much tv like that's your problem like you're obsessed with what's on television like why are you why are you upset over an advertisement the advertisement's purpose is to sell people things like why are you offended by it yeah it's an ad yeah well, and maybe there's something to that. I think the kind of spiritual deprivation that people, I don't know, people seek escape, seek escapism in media to some extent. And so for a conservative homophobic guy, um, the presence of a gay person in his media is almost an invasion of his form of escape, you know? Yeah. Is kind of what I'm, I'm gathering from from kind of your stance there because like yeah if if you have no sense of the transcendent and the transcendent becomes what you consume (laughs) and then what you consume starts getting filled with things that make you uncomfortable not to get all galaxy brain but like people are (laughs) not involved in like their immediate communities enough no they're not not present in their lives and you know I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I am very guilty of this, too. Um, my Same. fiance gets mad at me all the time because I'm, like, looking at my phone way too much. Same. Like, Same. Instead, of, like <laughs> instead of, like, being in the room with her and, like, talking to her, like, I am very often distracted by inconsequential bullshit. And I am, you know, humble enough to admit that, like, she's right. Like, I'm not present in my daily life, and I think that, like, almost nobody is. Like, who is actually, like, practicing, like, sincere mindfulness? They're certainly not on TwitterFucking.com. No. Like, (laughs) nobody, nobody on Twitter has ever even considered practicing mindfulness and, like, being present in the moment. Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Why would you why would you do that when you could be 180 replies deep into an argument between an ML and a Trotskyist? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you know, but you're right to point that out. I think I think what's scary is that the the problems that this produces isn't just not being mindful in your life, which is enough of a problem. You know, not not being, you know, not taking care of the people that you love or, you know, spending any time with your loved ones. But also that, like, it does seem to create real world impacts. But the, re- you know, like, I, I don't know. You, you, 
like like going back to kind of the the original thing with with like LGBTQ rights and stuff like that. You you have a guy that has spent his whole day arguing with people on Twitter and eventually decides to go do like a hate crime. You know, like oh, yeah. it, it does seem to like have a a connection. I don't know. And so yeah, I, I think you're right to see it see it as like symptomatic of kind of a spiritual crisis culturally. One of actually, you know, as brainwormed as people think this is, I think that one thing that is actually helping people is that like for people who are chronically online and alienated from people in their lives, I think that they're finding community on Twitter and sometimes that can be really really bad. But I also think that it can be good. It could be good, like, yeah. I, I think that, like, you know, I feel like I've developed many positive relationships on Twitter. I met my fiancé on Twitter, and that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, like, the 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 pro-life lady who was um (laughs) that she had like fetus parts in her cooler like that's the other end of the spectrum is that like she was also involved in an online community and then uh we all had to to sit down and have a powwow about like um, how this person online who we've had interacted with before has done something yeah unbelievable I I am so glad I was I took a break from Twitter for Lent and I was so glad that I was off Twitter for that when that happened because it was it, it was just tense enough arguments broke out on like Discord <laughs> servers I was in but so okay for for those listening who aren't <laughs> who aren't who aren't terminally online and talking to like the weirdest most fucked up people on there the, this does this did make national news so you might have known the story but not known that like. I mean, kind of the circles of Twitter that AJ and I both are on was adjacent to this person. And so we got to watch this just spiral. I would like Uh, to clarify before (laughs) Josiah says anything else that I was not mutuals with this person. I was not either. And I would would say that also. I have mutuals who are mutuals with this person. And... So I know what happened. Yeah, but the the long and short of it is, yeah, the was it the FBI or the cops? Someone raided her house. It was the FBI. Raided her house and had found that she had been stealing fetus remains from a uh, from various like uh, scientific testing things, and it's you know, uh, so like they've just found coolers of fetuses. And there was there was a claim that she was trying to give them a proper burial, which maybe that's true. However, like, um, I don't know. I don't think you have fetus parts in a cooler for a week. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to speculate. I don't know. I don't know the intent. I mean, the point I... is, <laughs> somebody got really deep into this shit online and then did some really weird stuff in the real world. <laughs> I have a small, locked, very exclusive twitter alt that like i only talked to a couple of people on it including josiah and i was wildly speculating on there as to like (laughs) what she was actually doing with these parts you know maybe that's a flaw of mine that like i'm sitting there and i'm like i think that this is what this crazy fucking bitch (laughs) is doing with this so i'm not gonna speculate on this podcast as to what she was doing with those uh, baby parts maybe she wanted to give them a burial 
maybe she's insane. I mean, she's definitely well, insane, but a, bu- you know. a bunch more details came out, and I, I didn't. I, at some point, I just stopped keeping up with it because it was so batshit and just put me in such a weird mood every time I read more details. But yeah, because by the end, it sounded like they were like they hinted at this. This had been happening for a few years, and they had had like a lot of fetuses. And oh boy. they were trying to build up a well, so I don't know if you caught no, this I mean, detail. Speaking of the culture war having material consequences. <laughs> yes. So yeah, and this is this is the result of somebody spending a lot of time online. online. And she she was also doing a lot of activist stuff work, like activist work as well, because I uh I I, I know somebody who lives in the same city as her, and she's like, Yeah, she this person is notorious for terrorizing the uh the planned parenthood here oh, so yeah, from like what i understand yeah. like every like person who like works in planned parenthood in the dc area like knew her yeah. knew this person yeah yeah and you know yeah and, and she was able to be encouraged by a lot of people online because i think even the the, the more level-headed pro-life people probably would have condemned her if they'd known the extent to which she had done stuff not not all i would say but the extent but she wasn't talking about the extent of like harassing people that she was doing she wasn't talking about that on twitter I actually think that there's multiple culture wars going on. Okay, I think here we go. that there is, like, the people who are offline that are engaged in, like, the broader culture war that leaks out to, like, legacy TV media and things like that. And then there's, like, much nicher, like, online culture war shit, which is completely fucking incomprehensible to anyone who's not online. Like like I said, my dad's really mad about like a lot of really stupid culture war shit, but my dad is completely offline. He has no Facebook, no social media whatsoever. He kind of gets brainwormed on like YouTube, but like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um he's not he's not like online really. Um so like a perfect example of like shit being totally incomprehensible was I was like peeing my pants. Somebody took out a billboard in Times Square and it said in big bold letters on a plain black background, Taylor Lorenz docs Docs. of TikTok. I, you know, lives of TikTok actually is a good thing to bring up here in this conversation also, but holy shit. Put yourself in the shoes of a 70-year-old Malaysian tourist to New York City who's, like, on one of those little red tour buses, like, snapping pictures of Times Square with a disposable film camera. And they just see this billboard that says, Taylor Lorenz doxed libs of TikTok. And just letting that information hit them and mm-hmm. just wash over them for a second and they continue to go about their life. Um, I think about this person who lives in, in my head that I made up and imagined because 
I think that that's who I want to be when it comes to the culture yeah. deep down inside. Well, and I think a lot of people do. That's that's why, you know, I you see the joke on Twitter all the time of like kind of a joking ironic love for like a dummy that has no clue what's going on. Cuz you see like being grill-pilled or you know, it would be like the joke or saying like oh, I just want to grill or you know, there's kind of like this depending on what part of Twitter. I you don't see many people who are like Oh, normal people suck anymore on Twitter because I think they all kind of secretly hope that they could get out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Um, you know, like I, I wish that there were like so many things from Twitter that like I could just erase from my brain. yeah, Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not proud of the fact that I know who Lauren Handy is. The, uh, the fetus lady. Yeah, the fetus lady. I'm not proud of that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well what i was gonna say is um you know so like the the kind of chunks of twitter we're on is a very niche like you know religious socialists kind of vaguely that's that's its own thing but like um it, it's really interesting how yeah if you get into the culture war from a right-wing angle you can see these like spirals of freaking out about things that kind of happen like once every couple weeks and they zoom in on something really niche and yeah if you are not plugged into the fox news discourse you will be baffled it and it's kind of funny because you see you see that meme going around a lot of uh i support the current thing you know that like you know like right-wingers use which which is baffling to me because i think they're just as guilty if not more and then their examples of supporting the current thing is like caring about ukraine or abortion which to me feels much more substantial than uh, you know, getting mad at a journalist who reported on a Twitter account, but <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's like I always find that accusation hilarious because it seems like conservatives have completely lost their fucking marbles. Like they care about shit that is completely inscrutable and makes no sense to anyone else. Yeah, like I'm sorry, but like if you care about libs of tiktok being doxxed like no one has ever needed to touch grass more yeah you know if you care about you know again like somebody who filed an llc because their twitter account was so big so this was public googleable information and a journalist putting that in a piece like what are you doing <laughs> but but lives of tiktok has a has a real grip on the culture war because you know the the tiktoks that they would dig up and then you know cause a whole freak out would we would go on to tucker carlson and tucker carlson would get mad at like a 14 year old that identifies as wolf gender for a week or something like yeah, that. yeah <laughs> and it's 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 also not just him like the entire right-wing media ecosphere is mm-hmm completely built upon just like looking at the most brainworm shit online and like showing it to some like furious 80 year old man and being like this is what kids today are doing <laughs> this is yeah and, and acting like it has some sort of because th- these are aggregator accounts that like deep dive into you know, some some TikTok account with eighty followers making a joke to their friends, or or if they're not making a joke, saying something crazy. But like, I don't know if you if anybody remembers being fourteen, uh, <laughs> you know, you say and think stupid shit. It's not worthy of like you know this big picture thing. But it it ends up having like this big picture impact because like 
I know a lot of right wingers were making fun of her for it, but like Taylor Lorenz, like got fucking, she got actually doxxed <laughs> at a point, and she actually did get death threats. And um, there's, I I told this on Mammonberg, but I, I give this example a lot of um, a thing that happened here in in good old backwoods Des Moines, Iowa, where we made national news because of a, a cancel culture discourse thing. Um, there's this this guy Carson King who held up a sign at like a, a football game or something that said, you know, had his Venmo on it and said like Venmo me to give me beer money. And then it happened to get shown on TV and he received a million dollars on Venmo. And so get then the he just, dis- no, yeah, for real. So he did, he, so he donated it to charity and you know, some people wrote a feel good piece about it. Now, a journalist who I actually know <laughs> got to be the guy to write the profile on him. And he had to, because of this, this is what happens when you do a profile. He had to look into his past and found that Carson King had made a few tweets when he was like 15 that had the N word in them. Okay. And so when he did the profile, he was like, Hey, do you want to make a comment on this? Just so that like, I have something, you know, uh, cause I have to do this. And so, yeah, Carson King was like, yeah, I was 14. I was quoting a Tosh point out bit. I, I'm not proud of it. It's not who I am, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, the, the, the journalist who I'm not naming just cause I don't want to continue the hate that he got from this. He, he, he ran, he ran it past the Des Moines registry. He's like, do I have to include this in the piece? This just feels kind of unrelated. And they were like, yeah, you do. So he stuck it at the very end of the piece, just a quick, Hey, uh, we I found some like racist tweets from him. He says it's not who he is anymore. Done. Tucker Carlson picks this up. A lot of people oh, pick fuck. this up. And yeah. this journalist has canceled Carson King. And so then in reaction to that, um, Anheuser-Busch had planned to donate also a million dollars, like match his donation and put his Carson King's like picture on a beer can or whatever. They uh, decided not to put his picture on the beer can anymore. So now this is cancel culture gone awry, this poor child, et cetera, et cetera. And it turned into this massive culture war issue for a while. Now, the missing piece of the story that I get from being on the ground that people don't realize um, is... Carson King was fine. Him and the journalist were on good terms. Carson King did not want the support that he got. The journalist had to go into hiding. Literally. The Des Moines Register fired him for doing the thing that they had told him to do. And, really? Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a rant here about my industry. Yeah. The, ed- the editor who made that call should have been the one who got fired. Absolutely. It wasn't something that was relevant to the story. Like, they weren't doing a deep dive on somebody. Like, Carson King wasn't running for office. He went viral online. Like, leave sure. it out. How how old was he at the time when the, the profile was written? He, he was, was 15 like 20, when he made the tweets. Yeah, something like that. It was it was pretty young. And, and he's like in his, he's like a, well, old enough to be at a college football game. Now okay, so and, it was nearly, it was, it was like maybe seven or eight years ago. And he was yeah, a child at the time. He was a minor. Yeah, no. The register should have fired the editor who did that. And the fact that like they fired. Oh, wow. This is mm-hmm. why, this is why people in media are unionizing. Like all yeah, of the Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're, we're sick of being treated like this. It's fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean, like the register, like uh, I had buddies that worked at coffee shops near the register. They had to do active shooter drills because people were planning to like bomb or shoot up the Des Moines register or threatening to. 
And the thing is, so like the thing about a lot of the cancel culture discourse for me and a lot of culture war in general is the more dangerous thing is the people freaking out about the cancel culture rather than the cancel culture. It seems like more often than not, that's the fucked up thing that starts to like spiral into a national crisis. Um, and the Taylor Lorenz story is pretty similar to me where she didn't, you know, like her story was just pretty straightforward. She didn't dox anybody. She reached out to people for statements <laughs> and like did some decent journalism on it. You know, I, I'm not going to comment specifically on, you know, Taylor Lorenz because I, I don't think it's like appropriate to comment on any one particular person's actions. And it is very, very hard to get like huge sweeping things of like people hating you online. But I think that there are a lot of people in my industry that do not have experience dealing with like very right-wing people and i you know my parents are kind of just like normie conservatives but like i have known and I, I grew up with people who were like that and i was exposed to it and the way that those people like you can't dialogue with them and you can't really like try to get them to understand you like they want to be like violent with you and like you have to position yourself like you have to go on the offense like if tucker carlson blasted my face on television and was like talking about like what a fucking shitty woke lib i was like i would say that like i would call him like julius striker who was the um he ran, like, the propaganda rag, like, during Nazi Germany, and I would, like, mm. send him, like, pig pooping on his own balls and, like, <laughs> tell him that he's an he's a, he's a Humpty Dumpty-ass egg-shaped bitch and that, like, he's a little fancy-pants rich boy who, like, went to a private school and wears fruity little bow ties. Like, I would be... <laughs> I would be completely just uncalled for. And it, sure. I think that, like, that's the only way that, like, you can reply to somebody like that. Like, he yeah. is particularly just odious. Really. Um, like, when I think of, like, all of the all of the people within right-wing media, I don't know if it's just that he's, like, one of the most powerful voices, but, like, he is, like, the worst because, like, I'm actually not kidding when I compare him to, like, Julius Stryker, Stryker, because I do think that, like, he pick, he selects, like, random victims of minority groups to highlight on his show, and then, like, mobs of angry people go and attack them. And he does it because it has made Fox News very, very wealthy, despite the fact that you know, his advertisers flee left and right because, like, oh my god, he is so, so, so close to saying who he really thinks the globalists are on TV. Like, I can tell that, like, <laughs> he he has, like, guests that are, like, you know, the same group of people work in government and media and for the big banks and you know we just have to be really careful about that one group of people and like he's oh he's so close to saying it but he knows that when he says it that's it the, yeah that the, the ad revenue is gone and the, yeah yeah like 
he's already lost, like, all of his ad revenue, but, like, I think that would be the straw to get him kicked mm-hmm. off of, like, Fox News. But they keep him because he makes them a shit ton of money. Yeah, he's absolutely. Just, he, he, he knows what he's doing, but he won't say the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Yeah, well, and no, I I, th- I think your comparison is right because, like, I mean, Tucker Carlson with Christopher Rufo essentially created the critical race theory panic that we're watching right now. And, yeah. and that's and that's having like a real, you know, getting back to kind of the materialism thing from, you know, we were talking about. I mean, that's having a real impact, like material impact. You see like fucking, you know, fucking parents everywhere are rushing school boards right now and trying to I don't know, destroy destroy people's lives and the the trans stuff, the the grooming kind of topic, which is tied to the, you know, libs of TikTok thing as well. Accusations of grooming or whatever. You know, you're you're seeing the, this battleground happening in the school boards because of freakouts that people like Tucker Carlson have have brought to the forefront. And yeah, it's it's having like real scary impact. I mean, I think the New York Post today reported one of the first firings of somebody for in texas for bringing up you know mentioning that she was pansexual yeah Um, yeah um i i don't think that this is like different from what was going on in the late 70s with the Anita mm-hmm. Bryant Save Our Children movement. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. very, very similar. And Anita Bryant got fucking owned. Like, she really just, like, went into total obscurity, lost all of her sponsors. Like, she decided to, like, wage that battle against gay people, and she thought she could win because the dominant culture was on her side and she lost. Yeah, what, why do you think she lost? I guess maybe what, what is the lesson from history there? I think that you have to look at Harvey Milk and what okay. he did. I think that uh, his campaigning in California to overturn the Briggs Initiative, which was like part of the Anita Bryant Save Our Children shit, that really reversed everything because she got the, um, the gay rights ordinance repealed in mm-hmm. um, Miami-Dade County in the 70s, like just mm-hmm. after they passed it. And then there were a couple of other like um, gay rights ordinances that got repealed in a couple of other cities. But the turning point was um, Harvey Milk's campaign in California, um, which, you know, um, the guy who created the AIDS quilt, Cleve Jones, was also a part of it. And they um, they were able to really, really, like, reverse the tide. And um, I actually think what I find so admirable about Harvey Milk is that he was a deeply positive person who, like, got up in people's faces and, like, wasn't afraid to engage with his political enemies. And he also showed solidarity with groups of people that other members of the gay community were very uncomfortable with. Like, Harvey Milk was able to create solidarity between the union truck drivers in California and the gay community because um, the 
the truck drivers were on strike because of uh, a a, con- um, a contract issue with Anheuser Busch, like or it might have been Budweiser. I can't remember, but they were uh, there were a bunch of truck drivers that were on strike because of their contract with a certain beer company. It might have been Anheuser Busch. It might have been Budweiser. But in any case, um, you know, they were able to have a successful strike because they were talking to Harvey Milk and he was talking to them. And Harvey went back to the gay community in San Francisco and convinced all of the gay bars to not sell that beer. Okay. I, I, this is this is a great example, I think. Um, because th- I think this comes back to this relationship between culture war and materialism again. Because I think what, what made him so successful was a very explicit grabbing at political and economic power. Rather than, yes. um, I think, what a lot of liberals tend to do, which is when these culture war things happen, get in an argument about why Taylor Lorenz did something fine. You know, like get into an argument about why this culture war thing doesn't actually matter. Get into an argument about why critical race theory isn't actually what you guys are saying it is. Rather than not, rather than just like, okay, I'm going to fucking seize political power in some way i'm going to get elected to office i'm going to fight to get this repealed i'm going to work with unions i'm going to etc cetera, etc cetera. here's a really important thing to remember about the culture war um tucker carlson is not a member of the working class tucker carlson is a shitty little rich boy like who like i you know said wears a fruity little bow tie and um, you know, he is part, he's a member of that class that he's complaining about. And he's posi- positioning himself as like outside of that class because, you know, he's like totally different and he understands like the conservative working man. And he presents himself that way. You know, now that he's decided to go all like alt right, he like lost the bow tie and he tries to pretend like he hates all these people. Tucker Carlson is still getting invited to cocktail parties. Yeah. He still works for Fox News and all of those people. Oh, and here's uh, another thing, which is like, this is why, like, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to talk about like the specifics of who I am because just, you know, in my industry, like the, the reporters who move back and forth between right-wing media and less like more central and like left-wing media, like there's a lot of grifting going on and like people kind of just doing whatever they need to do. And I actually think at like a low level, that's fine. Like, there are plenty of people who are like reporters for Fox News at like really boring desks that like mm-hmm. don't write about anything interesting. Um, or like, you know, I I don't I don't really like freak out like if I, you know, learn that somebody wrote for like a hard news desk at like a right wing publication because, you know, it happens all the time, like, most people mm. are just looking for jobs. But, like, the higher-ups, like, the people in management at, like, the Daily Wire and, you know, um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? The Daily Caller and yeah, yeah. Uh, Fox News. Like, they all have friends in, like, normie media. Like, if I actually think that, like, if you really 
wanted to get something done, you would the the I think working class people who are negatively affected by the culture war should be focusing more attention on the rich liberal friends of these assholes who are spreading this information mm. or misinformation mm-hmm. rather because yeah. like this this shit would stop if like Tucker Carlson experienced like any material consequences for what he does he actually does it because it's materially beneficial yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, I, I fall victim to this, but the freaking out at him is part of how he benefits. You know, like, yeah. it, it, you know, that's that's because that's what he wants. He wants, well, he wants to get me outraged so that he can be outraged at my outrage. And then he has more segments and more grandpas in their 80s can get mad <laughs> and keep watching. Yeah, so... Yeah, actually making some sort of material consequence for this shit. Because, Mm. you know, it it really, like, it's it's sad. Like, I I think about how, you know, there are, you know, I was hanging out recently with a friend of mine who's, like, a trans woman. And I think that, like, when it comes to the anti-trans shit... Some of the people who just get fucked with the hardest are simply trans women who don't pass. And my friend, you know, does not pass, and she's at peace with that. But uh, then we went for a walk in the park, and, like, even in where I live, which is a very, very progressive city, the, the nasty looks people were giving her... Like, people were leering and gawking, and people were looking at me like, like, why are you hanging out with, like, it It really is just, like, incredible how, like, you know, when these issues come into play, like, the people who are affected by it, it's like, suddenly it feels like every eyeball in the world is on you. Like, for what? Um, it's very, very damaging. I also think that something that can, like, reduce the craziness of the culture war is, like, you know, my own parents, for example, like, they are significantly less insane about gay people than I think they otherwise would have been because they have a gay child and because I'm present in their lives and talk to them. And I think that, like, there is, like, a sense of alienation. And I think that, you know, going back to what I was saying about Harvey Milk, like, he wasn't afraid to, like, walk up to John Briggs and ask him what the fuck his problem was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I have very little compunction about walking up to right-wingers and, like, asking them what their problem is. And mm-hmm. honestly, when you do that to right-wing people, like, when you just, like, walk up to them as a peer and you're like, what's your problem? They actually usually stutter and they try to tell you that like you're an exception mm-hmm. that like there's the, you yeah, know yeah. like um i have a um a guilty pleasure i i hate watch ben shapiro's youtube videos <laughs> um i'm particularly obsessed with watching him watch tiktoks because no okay so no no yeah <laughs> let me let me just say something about the ben shapiro reacts to woke tiktok series um most of the time, it's just a bummer to watch because, like, all he's doing is being mean to some, like, random trans person and misgendering them. 
Um, like, that's, like, maybe 60% of the segment. However, maybe, like, 20 to 30% of the time, he's like, this is what woke culture has led to. And it is, like, the craziest thing you will ever see. Like, Mm -hmm. there is nothing funnier to me than watching Ben Shapiro go through the five stages of grief because he just forced himself to watch, like, a puppy play video on TikTok. (laughs) And he's, like, watching some, like, gay trans guy, like, outside in his underwear wearing, like, a leather dog mask and, like, a butt plug tail going, arf, 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 arf! Like, watching... His facial expression change with a side by side of the TikTok <laughs> is that it's it's exquisite. I I love watching it, but um yeah. So I I I hate watch Ben Shapiro sometimes, and I was watching I was watching one of his videos once, and a conservative gay man called him up and like asked him like why he has so much animosity like towards gay people and Mm -hmm. he started like stuttering and he's like well you know if you talk to most conservatives they'll eventually tell you that like they have a gay friend here or there and you know it is what it is and their beliefs don't necessarily mean that they can't have like a civil conversation with somebody, you know, but X, Y, and Z like brainwormed culture war talking points that he's pushing. Yeah. Yeah, That this represents something bigger than again, like just people on TikTok, (laughs) you know, like, you know, I actually (laughs) think that like the anger of the culture war and these like, this outrage against trans people, outrage against gay people, outrage against women who have abortions, this and that. I I really do think that, like, when you approach these people and you actually just, like, talk to them as a normal person, I think it causes a great deal of shame. And shame can be a very powerful motivator in changing people's behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I've found that a lot of that like a lot of that shame doesn't have to be an, even induced with like a really performative lecture about why they're wrong. You could just be like, oh. "Why do you fucking hate this person for doing nothing?" You know, like this person just exists. Why do you why do you hate them? Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. It, it has been really really baffling. I, I know that I know this has been the case forever. Um, but the the most recent iteration of it being like wokeism supposedly and trying to act like people being different than them is some sort of coherent ideology that is taking over the West in any really real sense has been really baffling rationalization for things that make you uncomfortable online. Puppy play is a scourge that is taking over the <laughs> culture and morals of the West. You know, and, you know, the, the internet, like, I think it, it gives you this temptation because it presents information to you in like, um, you know, one, one tweet I see is about the crisis in Ukraine. And then the next tweet I see is a TikTok from a per- account with 60 followers doing something weird. And those are then kind of treated with the same epistemic weight of like importance, you know? Because of just the way that that happens, you know, the way that that data is organized. (laughs) And so you can kind of like get caught up in, again, yeah, just somebody 
like I see terrible takes on Twitter all the time that do not represent the majority of people's opinions, but it's easy for me to make some sort of judgment about like the state of the culture based off of it. It is so addictive to be mad all the time. And I, I'm mm. also guilty of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I have to stop reading like brainworm things on Twitter and like letting myself feel emotions. Like, w- like what a waste. Well, yeah. And, and, and I mean, if this stuff like really does piss you off, I mean, for one, you shouldn't make any real judgments about the culture based off shit you see on Twitter, but you know, kind of like, kind of like the lesson that comes out of like Harvey milk or something like that is, you know, th- then if, if this is a concern for you, the like when it should be, you know, like the, the stuff that's going on with like CRT, you know, fa- freaking the, the anti woke stuff that's happening, just like try to swing by your own school board or like what's going on in like your actual local communities and politics. Because like you need like actual an actual political response to this rather than just being mad at people on Twitter because it seems like the right has learned this lesson to an extent because they've started actually doing stuff about the things they're getting mad at. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's scary. <laughs> you know, there are way way more people who have no kids that are showing up to school board meetings. Mm-hmm. Like. I think that if you don't have a, a kid in the school district, you probably don't need to go to that meeting. Yeah, but, probably not. But if it's uh, already happening, then <laughs> might as well, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, just like uh, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think there's something about just not. There, there's a tendency among a lot of I think liberals and leftists to not pay attention to actual political power as it exists in their you know, neighborhoods or whatever, and instead just, you know, get mad online. think that it is like the the internet causes a lot of noise in people's brains and i think that there have been a lot of political actors that are trying to you know influence people um to just sort of like give them like a more coherent ideology and if there's one take i do have is that the far right is much better at doing that than the left Mm -hmm. The far right is much, much better at radicalizing alienated people online and bringing them into their fold. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. I, I think in part because liberals and leftists have a tendency to, when they get into those ideas, see themselves as kind of like better. Like they 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 kind of act like they they've gotten to this intellectual position because they are incredibly smart or whatever and they're kind of above it and so like you'll just say you know you should just google this you figure it out yourself rather than like willing to have a conversation in any way with people i mean like i feel like that point has been made overdone a bit yeah like a a lot like and it i mean it's true um but honestly i think that what the left's problem is is that like I don't think that anger and constantly being against something, against something, against something rallies people. And I definitely, I certainly don't think it creates solidarity and community is that 
there needs to be more positive focus on like what you're fighting for because i think that the the left it's always like against 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 like against this against that abolish this about like it's exhausting and people find it very like draining and honestly just like kind of taking like a panoramic view of like the millennial zoomer left is that everybody is very very depressed and deeply anxious and it's because the culture of the left creates that mm-hmm. you know yeah. and i think that like if they want to start you know conservatives reactionaries have a vision for like how they want the world to be and it is like an ad from the 1950s and like that's <laughs> deeply brainwormed and doesn't make any sense but at least they have like a vision for like what they think people should be like and what the world should be like and leftists only ever do that like ironically yeah like i don't think that there's any real serious vision of like this is what we're fighting for and not even just like a like a mirage in the distance of like you know living through some sort of marxist end of history but like who are you fighting for are you fighting for kids are you fighting for people's health are you Mm -hmm. i think a lot of that gets lost and actually if anything i think that that is why you know the bernie campaign was like a shot of adrenaline into the heart of the american left because it it got me knocking on doors i don't do that shit (laughs) oh yeah no is that he exuded left optimism and i think that like his campaign being shot down i think it made a lot of people very angry and bitter um but like just because like you know he got rat fucked doesn't mean that you can't get up and try again like if that's if that's all you have in you that like Bernie lost an election a few years ago, which is true for so many people, like mm. then very weak spirit. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But um, but you're right to say like, I think there is a real deep inability of the left to imagine what like what their utopia is, like what they want. You know, not 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 to be naive and to believe yeah we're going to perfectly attain this utopia but like you do still need like the utopia you're trying to build and you know the people that i i think of who who often have that i find politically troubling on other lens you know on other angles because i i think they go to the past again as well and they'll point to like oh we're trying to build the ussr here and it's like well the you know, why like, would like, you do that? Why, why would you do that? Yeah, a lot of a lot of Leninists. You know, they seem to have a very vivid image of what their their idea is. But it's um, what right wingers have an ad from the fifties. They have a you know poster from a, a propaganda poster from the sixties or something. And like, yeah, the USSR isn't going to happen here. I don't think it would be good if it did. For one, that's just from my own political persuasion. I'm more libertarian than that. But like. Even even if it did, it's not going to happen. <laughs> we don't have the well, same I mean, material circumstances that produce that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, the amount of people who, like, actually want that, infinitesimally small. Really, like, a truly brainwormed group of people that is, like, barely consequential. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I always think, too, that, like, um, you know, you can't, you can't treat Marx 
and the manifesto as like a bible it's not scripture Mm -hmm. like you kind of have to you know as you're progressing forward with like left-wing ideas like you have to be a little more holistic in your thinking and kind of like meet people where they are and like adjust your messaging for the times Mm -hmm. which i think you know some left-wing people have really hard time doing yeah you shared a video of like um some tanky shit where it was like words popping up on a screen <laughs> in front of like a bunch of like vaporwave style pictures and like the words were completely random and i just want to say i was completely fucking smacked when i watched that video i was yeah. so high i was like no longer in my body <laughs> tears running down my face laughing because i'm like this is what the inside of my brain looks like right now <laughs> And I'm like, this is, this is, this is like a perfect, perfect shit post. And I think that what makes it so like, mwah, like chef's kiss is that it was clearly like deeply sincere. And the person who uh-huh. made it did not realize that they have completely lost touch with the reality. Oh, absolutely. They, they represented nobody because it was, it was also really reactionary. I remember the video because it would go back and forth between like, communism but also like family patriotism like it was well i mean it's kind of a kick i've been seeing of like a certain type of left you know like like the kind of leftists that would be likely to cheer on russia not just be critical of support of ukraine but like actually be like putin rocks have a real like nasbol thing going on that's pretty troubling at times and that was what that account was doing and yeah it's it's like not to not to just Re, you know be a total total white guy leftist theory bro and just reference mark fisher a million times but like there, there's this like inability to imagine something new like we're just beating our head on a wall and so people are just grappling at old symbols and those old symbols like s- will become reactionary the longer you spend with them i almost feel like like the longer you you know, because the Soviet Union had a lot of reactionary elements and conservative elements to it, right? And, you know, like a lot of people who are like genuinely believe that we're going to somehow create the Soviet Union here, they they do start latching on to like a lot of those those uh, conservative aspects of that, that ideology. I just, I, I know it's annoying to just be like, I want something new, but that's the feeling I've been having for years. Like, I want a, like, a genuine new feeling leftist direction. Yeah, you know, you can't, you can't have a reactionary movement. You can't look backwards. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. If they wanted that, they would go to the right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think that looking towards, like, a brighter future is really hard. And I think that that's why so many of them have this negative, like, we're all going to die in, like, a fiery climate change natural disaster tomorrow. Um, you know? Yeah. It's easier to be that way. It's easier mm-hmm. to believe that you're going to die in a climate change flood in 10 years because if you feel that way, then, like, you don't have to think about, like, self-improvement or, like, developing relationships <laughs> or, like, yeah. planning for the future. And so it's easier to just believe that you're going to be dead in 10 years. Yeah, it's, um, well, it's, it's, it's Fisher's thing of uh, reflexive impotence. It's like, 
all all we know how to do is just kind of like uh feign this just kind of defeat before it's even happened like ah man there's what's the there's a chapter in capitalist realism that's entitled what if we held a protest but everybody showed up because like (laughs) which um which felt like like the protests that happened in 2020 over like black lives matter stuff that that kind of felt like that for me where i was shocked at how many people actually went out in the streets it got it got crushed but that was like one of the few moments of like political optimism I'd had in a long time because I saw like people actually doing stuff. And I, I hope that the the ramifications of those protests can kind of like live on is just like actually realizing that there, I don't know, revolution, protests, whatever you want to call it, is kind of a creative endeavor. And you, you the, the act of like getting out and organizing and stuff like that will help you begin to have an image of what you think the future the possible future is I think I I I think that like um, another thing too that like you know, when the left talks about, like, the culture war and, and stuff with kids, is that, like, sometimes I ask people on the left, like, well, have you have you considered raising kids? Like, mm-hmm. not even just, like, you know, not everybody wants to have them, but it's, like, have you thought about, like, going through the process to become a foster parent? Um, mm. And, like, none, none of them are thinking about that. Like, yeah. and I actually do think that, like, one of the things that the right one of the things that the right is um, trying to wield with the culture war right now is that, like, for the most part, there are a lot of normie parents out there, but there are way more right-wing parents than there are, like, left-wing parents. Like, let's face it, our side is always the side that, like, doesn't want to have kids. Um, There are some, there though, I know some left-wing people that have kids, like, actually genuinely left-wing, but, like... I think that, like, where that, like, post-Zoomer generation is going to end up with all of this, like, culture war shit is that, like, it's a toss-up. They might end up really, really conservative like their parents. They might rebel against their parents and, like, be really left-wing. But, like, I do think that, you know, the, the greatest, like, win that you can have in the culture war is like influencing the generation that comes after you. Yeah. Well, um, but you know, we have to be anti natalists because we're all going to die in 10 years. So like, why would you have a kid? I, I, I joke all the time that like, I'm like, okay, well like maybe you don't want to have kids because they're going to be water wars in 20 years. But like my kids are going to win the water wars in 20 years. And they're going <laughs> to have the most water. Like I'm training my, be like, why would you want to have kids in this hard world? Be like, I am going to train my children to be the most ruthless Mad Maxian. Mm-hmm. Like in be like in that case where everything is completely falling apart, like my kids are going to be the smartest. They're going to know what to do. I no, I I really like this point a lot though because you know so much of the right is around like save the children, right? That's that's the yeah. phrase that's been coming back. Um, and 
I have I've been I've been really baffled by the conservative the the way that we have allowed conservatives to have claim on terms like family values and save the children because when we talk about like like okay the trans the anti trans legislation going on in a lot of like southern states right now you have um you know cases where like somebody a parent who chooses to be supportive of their trans kid could get in trouble for that you know like that could be considered child abuse and for me that's not that's not pro-family remotely that's tearing apart families especially because like regardless of how you view trans people i i'm sorry a a parent that chooses to support their kid with that there's no way you could make an argument that's a bad mom maybe a mom you disagree with there's no way you could argue that's a bad parent. <laughs> like, well, they're trying to they're trying to argue that letting your kid transition is child abuse because you're confusing them. Uh huh. Yeah. The right the right loves to take children. The, the right loves to break families up and alienate kids from their parents when it serves their agenda. Exactly. Um, this is very true. Of um, I mean, they've been doing it to black communities and indigenous communities for forever I mean, god knows how long yeah um and uh they do it the honestly you know if we were going to talk about like the foster care system and cps like that's a whole other episode mm. oh yeah absolutely but like you know it's it really is like they but it, it it's the same kind of hypocrisy that they have around abortion because like they don't actually mm. care about like the people that these fetuses are going to materialize into. Yeah, like they no, don't absolutely care. not. Like the, 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 there's some kid born to like a single teenage mother in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, like you know, really mm. poor, probably. Like they don't they don't give a shit about that person. It's all no. ideological. And it, it, but the thing is, is that pointing out the hypocrisy of right wingers doesn't really do anything because they know they're hypocrites. Don't care. No, but I, I guess what I, I don't mean just to point out the hypocrisy, but I, I almost take I, I think of it almost as a, taking a step further because, you know, I, I was going to also point to obviously like, you know, save the children could equally be a slogan to talk about climate change. Um, it could. It, very easily. Yeah, it could. And. I'm not necessarily saying that we should embrace that, but there's an aspect that I I, I almost think, yeah, we should go further than just hypocrisy, but also just, the name of that? just like, T- good. There, there was a movement of that. It was a movement of like teenagers that really care about climate change. And mm. I remember like they went to cat, they went to DC and Diane Feinstein, like wagged her finger at them. And it was a real, yeah. real precious moment there. What are they yeah, called? I- Sunshine something. Oh yeah, sunshine move or sunrise movement. Yeah, they're sunrise. Yeah, there yeah, they're go. they're great. Yeah. Um, no, but like, I don't know. I I think you're right. This whole like the antinatalist kind of attitude is is probably bad because I think there's a lot of power in saying like, no, I I we are doing this for families. We are doing this for our you know the next generation that's going to have to inherit this earth. Like I I, I do think that allowing the right to have taken those slogans was just really disastrous uh another hot take of mine is that the brunigs try to do that and people really hate it that's They're true really big Aggie although the that. people who although the people who hate it tend to be uh tend to be lefties the no <laughs> it, it, liz brunig is a kaleidoscope of like she her presence online is a rorschach test 
for mm-hmm. like what your deepest insecurity is regardless of like where you fall on the political spectrum like right wingers have a lot of like sexual obsessions with her oh and yeah the the far the, the left does as well like when they 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 keep trying to say that she's like a fashy mommy that feels very psychosexual to me yeah um, and then like liberal women really really hate her like blue check like lib femmes and hmm. they hate her i think because she represents everything that they think that they're supposed to be because i think that a lot of them are actually very insecure in their choices hmm. And that even though they try to claim that they're secure in their choices, I do think that there is a Liz Brunig-like figure that lives in their head rent-free at all times. And when they see a woman doing the things that deep down inside they believe they should be doing, it, like, makes them mad. Hmm. So, like, I, I do think that she produces a very, very wide array of mental illness, you know? And I, I, I think it comes... I really do think it's like a Rorschach test of like what's wrong with you. But yeah, I I, I think there's something to I, I think like organizing around maybe concepts of like families and stuff. But you know, kind of like like you'd pointed out, I I do think a lot of the left turns on that because of I don't know this like antinatalism thing that I think is fucking stupid. But well, my fiance believes that people who hate kids have something metaphysically wrong with them, which <laughs> is, that's a, that's a very, um, I mean, that's certainly a, a hot take. Um, I mean, fair enough, but um, I, I do think that, uh, like, when, when leftists talk about, like, abolishing the family, um, you know... I think that they don't really, like, understand or know what they're talking about, and I think that a lot of them are just reacting to the fact that a lot of people on the left um, have been alienated from their families in, like, one way or another, and I think that um, a lot of it might be, like, psychological projection. Like, they're alienated from their own families, and, like, they think about how much they hate their dads, so, like, they hate families now, but... I think that, you know, it's when you're talking to people like that, a constructive way of moving forward is being like, okay, well, like, that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, there are other, you know, people who, you know, don't want to die alone or live in a polycule. So I think we should probably move toward wrapping up here. Um, but I do like the focus on treating children as kind of a central part of this culture war conversation. Yes. Um, you know, children are ultimately the biggest losers in the culture war because each side of the culture war despises children. The right, the right wing despises children and sees them as little more than like a tool to get what they want and to further the political project that they envision. And the left wing despises children because they view children as a scourge and a burden. And even though they don't want to use this word, they view them as like, you know, extra mouths to feed that don't work. Useless eaters, basically. And um, there is no one on either side of this dimension really that in my opinion really cares about 
kids, like, as a class. You know, children are the most marginalized people in society, like, as a collective class. And I don't think people think of it that way, but children are a class of people. Um, Mm -hmm. And they are completely, you know, when they're at home, their parents are the authoritarian rule over everything that they do. And then, you know, when they go to school, you know, not to get all Foucault on people, but mm -hmm. schools are a bit like a prison and, you know, (laughs) you're told what to do. So I think that these two um, domains where the left and right are fighting, the home and the school, Mm -hmm. neither one uh, particularly has any love for children and you know wants to see children thrive and grow emotionally spiritually and physically mm-hmm. um but that that is ultimately who loses and you know when it comes to the culture war children are the group of people that are talked about the most but they're also the group that are taken into consideration the least yeah I think that is a that's a really good statement to wrap up on. So I will say thank you everybody for listening to Fruitless and thank you so much for joining me today, AJ. Have a good night, Josiah. You as well. Bye.